Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed. This week we're going to look ahead to next summer and talk about rosters. A roster for World Cup qualifiers that start in June for the Olympics, hopefully, for the Gold Cup, and for the U-20 World Cup also, hopefully. We are looking at an embarrassment of riches when it comes to men's national team soccer in 2021. Greg, what are your sort of first principles? You did all the work on this. You figured out who you think should go with which team. Uh, my my Give- first principles are that this is a fun experiment. Okay. <laughs> That's my first principles. Uh, because, you know, we're talking about we're talking about a bunch of tournaments a full club season away. Uh, and a lot, I think, is going to change between now and then. Uh, so it was kind of fun to just be like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to anticipate certain things happening and then go from there. Uh, the principles I think Berhalter is working from, first and foremost, are World Cup qualifying over everything. And he's he has said as much. Yeah. And that's obviously the right choice. That's the right Yeah, that has that's to be the right the principle have to go with world cup qualifying first yeah he's gonna he's gonna have to get creative because what we don't think one player will play end up playing in for instance qualifiers and the gold cup and the olympics right i think it'll i think that would be really minimal if it happens it, it might happen with players at the fringes but i don't think like our key players could or should uh play in multiple events so Christian Pulisic shouldn't come to the States and play in four World Cup qualifiers, which is probably going to be like a, you know, four-week process between pre-camp, the games, uh, whatever, and then go play uh, in six games for the Gold Cup or six right. games for the Olympics. Like, that'd be madness to do in, during yeah. your offseason. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, <clears throat> he probably should only play in one of these competitions, really, if we're being honest. Right. Um, so... The, the question I think is, that's going to come up is whether or not we could have some wiggle room like within those four World Cup qualifiers. Like, all right, do some guys check in for a game and then go back to their clubs if they're not needed? Or is there going to be some rotation there? Uh, because you have to either limit minutes you know, from a physiological perspective. Like, okay, this guy is not going to actually be any good to us, so we're going to bring in another guy. I don't know how tight the turnaround is going to be for those four games. Well, yeah, let's do a little refresh on the schedule because sure. – that that was always a little unclear to me until I googled it. Um, the U twenty World Cup is May twenty to June twelve of twenty twenty one, so end of May, beginning of June. You uh, you were just saying UEFA canceled their U nineteen qualifying campaign, or at least that's they... that's what it looks like. They just had an announcement saying they're suspending youth uh, events certain youth events for the 2020-2021 calendar and of those events the U19 men's tournament was uh, canceled uh, so I'm assuming that's the qualifying for the for UEFA for the U20 tournament yeah I think so that that's what I would guess so that's something to keep an eye on we may not have that tournament um, but anyway that's 20th of May to 12th of June the four World Cup qualifiers are in June I don't know the exact dates of that window, but it's a double window, so there are four fixtures in it. And we don't know the duration of it either. I don't know if a double window just means 
two weeks and you're going to play four games over a 14-day spell or if it's a three-week or four-week. Like, I don't know what the what that double window means as far as uh, the calendar math. Well, in any case, it is hugely important. It's four of the 14 games we're going to play in World Cup qualifying. We don't know who the opponents are going to be yet, but we do know that those, you know, if you if you have a great four-game session, you're well on your way to qualifying for the 2022 World Cup and vice versa if you don't. Um, and then 10th of July to the 1st of August is the Gold Cup. So that's like basically right after the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, and we always you always bring the players in usually a, a week or two early for that to, mm-hmm. to get them into camp. Same same could be for the World Cup qualifiers. I, I you assume that they might come in a week or two early. Potentially, uh, we we throw a, a tune up game in there beforehand, a friendly before those four games. I don't know if that'll be possible. Uh, that's just all the sort of variables we're dealing with here. Yeah, and then there's just an incredible amount of overlap between the Olympics and the Gold Cup because the Olympics are the 23rd of July to the 8th of August. Man, that's, those are fast. Are the Olympics only like two weeks? <laughs> it's it's insane. So I think it's three weeks. Soccer might actually start before the opening ceremonies. Uh, okay, we'll have we'll definitely get fact checked on that one. But um, it's it's going to be crazy. And so obviously there can't be any overlap between the Gold Cup and the Olympics. You got to you got to do one or the other. There's no there's no way to get people into both of those rosters. Right. And then after the eighth of August, you know, basically people will be showing up late to training camp at their clubs in Europe. So a lot to sort out. Luckily, the pool is deeper than it's been in the history of American soccer. Is that true? Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Certainly at the at the especially for the youth age groups, I think we're much deeper, much more professional uh, than in any cycle of the past. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to just do you want to just jump in, start doing the ocho? Should we we're get go- through what call- we think the ocho will look like? Yeah, we'll start with the World Cup qualifying roster. Now, Greg put these on Twitter a couple days ago. I pretty much agree with all of it, but I'll, I guess I'll point out where I don't. All right. So, and and we're not gonna we're gonna spare everyone. We're not gonna go literally player by player, position by position, uh, because you've heard us talk about all these players way too much for that. Uh, we're just gonna go through sort of a projected starting eleven. Uh, and then maybe we'll talk about some of the, the guys that might raise some eyebrows. All right. Let me real quickly read off the whole 23 here, or is it 24? Um, Stefan Turner and Johnson at goalkeeper. Brooks and Ream, Richards and Long at center back. Anthony and Gloucester at left left back. I have dissent on Gloucester. Uh, Destin Cannon at right back. And, you- and I'll, interrupt, I'll interrupt here because uh, we, we're going to get the feedback again. Cannon versus Yedlin. And I do, I honestly do think like uh, Cannon it becomes overrated and Yedlin becomes underrated with sort of this uh, emerging consensus that Cannon's better. Like I think that's still very much an open question. Uh, it just I happen to think Cannon probably has a little bit of an edge. Agree to agree. Yule is alone as the number six, and then it's Adams and McKenney starting, and Pomacall and Legette backing them up at the dual dueling eights. Pulisic and Morris at left wing. Pulisic, the starter, obviously. Reyna and Weah at right wing. Man, I can't wait to see Tim Weah back on the field. I was just watching Sanjeev's video, the you know the one where he has that um, like Motown music in the background and all those guys <laughs> celebrating. 
that one where Wayas, the one goal Wayas scored for Lille before he got hurt, and he's just like he's just running along the he's just running along the sideline with his arms outstretched. Oh man! Anyway, strikers are Altidore, Sargent, and Zardis. Yep, that's twenty three. That gets us uh, that gets us onto a game day roster that fits. Okay, the puzzle. Uh, sort of what I projected as our starting eleven for the first game in March. I'm sorry, for the first game in June. So after we have potentially an October friendly, November friendlies, January camps, March Nations League, all the club season that everyone's going to play, and we're going into the June World Cup, this is how I think it will shake out with a lot of uh, caveats. Well, yeah, what are the caveats? This seems pretty straightforward to me, except for the choice of Richards at center back. I think there's a fair number of people who would say, well, that's that's crazy talk. He still hasn't played, uh, you know, in a top league. Right, and so that this is where we get into those caveats. So what I'm kind of baking in here is that Chris Richards won't spend all of next season playing uh, in the – well, he'll be in the two Bundesliga. league. No, they couldn't get promoted. Is that right? Yeah, they that's right. They can't get promoted. So I'm baking in that he won't spend the full season playing in three Liga next year. I think that if he stays with Bayern, he will get some minutes with Bayern Munich. Uh, and if he's not going to play with Bayern, that they will get him out on loan in either the two Bundesliga or uh, uh, mid, mid-low mid table uh, Bundesliga side. And if he does that and he's playing games, which is kind of what I expect to happen, then it's an, it's not necessarily a given, but I think at that point he's very much in the discussion to be our starting center back. Yeah. I mean, I guess the key thing is, is he going to go on loan? I, I, I'm hopeful that he will, but um, there's a there's a definitely a possibility that he ends up back at Bayern two for the entire right. entirety and, of the next but, season. But even if he even if he starts there, I feel like it'd be if they keep him and don't put him uh, on loan. My get my thought is uh, it might be with the intention of using him even sparingly. Uh, but you know, how do you say no at that point if he's being used sparingly by Bayern Munich, huh. uh, he's he's at least got to be, you know, close to to our starting eleven. Yeah, no, I agree. So we don't have a lot of players who have been used sparingly by Bayern Munich. Right, and we discussed uh, we discussed a lot of this the rest of this roster in recent weeks. Reyna and Pulisic tucking in from the wings. Altidore is sort of the the dropping in number nine. McKenny and Adams pushing forward disrupting and being sort of dual eights jackson yeah. yule as our and uh, american andrea pirlo <laughs> yeah yule's yule's the other one that we were baking in a lot of assumptions namely that he's going to get that chance in these uh, next few windows in january and that he will be i think he will be serviceable in the role enough yeah. that burhalter will stick with it uh so while everyone will a lot of people anyway will have uh, qualms. There's going to be qualms here. There shall be uh, qualms. I think you will, will do enough that Burhalter will stick with it, and people will continue to be having those qualms all the way into the June into the June games. Yeah, poor Jackson. He's going to be. He's going to. If we ha- if we have some bad results in June, he's going to be uh, the target of ire. Yeah, and and the other the other sort of uh, unknown here is Anthony Robinson. Clearly. Uh, just the one cap under Burhalter. It wasn't covered in glory. Um, yeah. But he's he's potentially going to be, you know, 
taking a, a step up in the club scene. And and so I'm, I'm anticipating that he'll give us what we need in that left back role if we're going to have Pulisic tucking in. I mean, he's he's certainly the people's choice at left back right now, isn't he? <laughs> I I think I think so, but that there aren't a lot of other choices for the people to choose from. Right. Well, it's not Daniel Lovitz. It's not Tim Ream at left back. Do you want to drop the the rest of the depth chart for that yeah. Ocho? All right. What's what sticks out at you, Bells? Um nothing really. Uh it all well, one thing one thing sticks out at me. I like I like basically all of it. I think Reem is the obvious choice as the backup left center back. Aaron Long is as good as anybody else at the as the second right center back, although I think there's a there's a decent to better than average chance that Long will be the starting right center back in June. Yep. Yep. Sort of on, on the same timeline that Ewell is. He'll do enough to keep the job. Um otherwise, yeah, I really like it except for Gloucester as the backup left back. Yeah, and we'll as we get through the other rosters, we can talk about some of the other guys who could take that spot. And this is where uh, I do think the the pool is volatile uh, yeah. and has been. So uh, doing very little can sort of vault you uh, several places in the depth chart. And so for me, if Gloucester finds any time at PSV, uh, that's going to be enough to get him into camps. And once he's in camps, I'm just kind of anticipating that. You know, my projection is that he'll beat out the the other. Uh, the other choices there. Yeah. He's in a good spot. He's in a good spot and he plays a position where he has um, some growth opportunity for sure. I mean, some he'll, he has an opportunity for chances because left backs are hard to come by even at clubs. I do. It, it is a little concerning. He and Richie Ledesma were both left off of the first team training yesterday. I think now I don't want to read too much into it, but it's not a good sign. No, it's not. But again, even if he's not starting with uh, the PSV first team, uh, he's a left back. I, I, I'm just I'm thinking that over the course of this season, uh, he'll get pulled into some kind of minutes, whether it's cup, whether it's I think PSV are in Europa qualifying. Yeah. Uh, and again, once he does that, that that it doesn't take much at this point to get shot shot up into the conversation. Fair enough. Yeah. Notably, you're missing a backup for Jackson Ewell in this in this world cup qualifying roster what's up with that so you know i've said it before i don't think we can play that system that you and i have been sort of uh, assuming that berhalter is moving towards uh with a with a higher pressing defense and, and counter pressing uh, side with michael bradley in the lineup and i think michael bradley is at this point sort of the uh only easy obvious choice for Ewell in that in, in berhalter's mind for that distributor role mm-hmm. and and so I'm kind of just saying, well, if, if you can't play the way you want with Michael Bradley, then he doesn't really serve that purpose. So, uh, so he becomes dead weight at that point. Uh, something else to keep in mind is we're not restricted to 23 people in this group to, you know, to uh, join up ahead of the games. It might just be 23 on game day. So you could easily see Bradley on here. But by leaving that Bradley uh, role open, then you end up with three spots for your strikers. And I think... I think Burhalter is still going to consider Zardes a valuable enough player that he wants him there, but I don't know that he would just want to carry Altidore and Zardes like we did for the Gold Cup. Yeah. So that's my that's my line of thought. The other thing I keep thinking is if Ewell can't go, we have Adams that could step into that role, Pomacall can step into that role, and they wouldn't be the exact same player. 
play, like they very well could it could be a net gain for yeah. the entire side. It might be a big step up on accident. Um Okay. Last thing I want to touch on cuz we get I get a lot we get a lot of uh, feedback, we'll call it feedback on leaving Jordan Morris out of the 11. You know, he's constantly referred to as our best performer over the past 18 months. Uh and and he could well keep himself on the field if he plays his way through. I'm sure he'll have opportunities in the in the camps. It's not like he's just going to get dropped straight away mm-hmm. uh, off the roster. Um, but what what my guiding principle there is everything starts with how you're going to use Christian Pulisic. And I think at this point it's clear Christian Pulisic and what he's been doing at Chelsea is going to be best as the nominal left wing who's free to cut inside and you have a left back getting around him. You don't play with a stay-at-home left back in that situation. Uh, and that is also Morris's best position yep. for the U.S. Um, but the difference is Morris does not cut inside. When he's had his best games for the U.S. At, in that left wing spot, he's been playing with a stay-at-home left back. So in that Canada game, it was Morris wide left, but Tim Ream as our left back staying deep and not trying to overlap. If you're going to play an overlapping left back, uh, I don't think it, it works to have Morris there. So... Uh, there would be, in my mind, it would be something like if you're going to rotate, Morris can come in as your left winger, and then maybe you slide Dest over to that left back spot uh, and start like Cannon at right back, and then Dest becomes an inside. He, he he attacks to the inside when he advances. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a good point because even though Morris has been a great performer, he's ultimately in competition with Pulisic for that spot, and he doesn't really work as a tucked in winger on the right side. We're still gonna so, get, we're still gonna get some feedback. Oh, we'll still get feedback. And again, Morris is gonna have every opportunity to prove us wrong here because there's no way he's just gonna be left off of the of the twenty three. He'll get minutes whether it's starting right uh, in the next camp or coming off the bench. He's not going anywhere. Okay. So there's the Ocho. Yeah, great. Hey, two two little technical things. One, I have a um, some, there's a wood chipper going in the parking lot next to my house, <laughs> so I apologize for that, but the show must go on. Also, hey Greg, you should put your you should put your face back up after uh, after a while. Oh, that'll be a good transition, huh? Yeah. Okay. But we can go straight into the next roster if you if you like. Um, let's let's uh, we should talk about the goalkeepers probably. Oh yeah. We don't usually talk about them, but there are some names on here that aren't always on here. Yeah, I don't go back. You're, go you're back the goalkeeper. You're the goalkeeping expert. Go for it. Greg's, uh, and Greg's so a, Greg's a former goalkeeper. <laughs> so now that we've established why Morris is on the bench for for all the people who are going to hit us, uh, we should also talk about the goalkeepers because there's. Uh, I assume you'll get three goalkeepers on game day, uh, and we've we've put Stefan on here. I think everyone considers the clear favorite, uh, but Matt Turner I think is going to jump into the into the mix as Stefan's backup by June. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a that's a big take. You you were you were really impressed with him. At MLS's back, semicolon yeah, so tournament. I, I mean, I've, I've been impressed with him. I haven't spent a ton of time watching his video, but statistically, he's been basically the best goal shot stopping goalkeeper in MLS for going on two years now. So, hmm. uh, for me, it's like it's kind of a, a no brainer. Now, uh, there, if there are questions about his playing with his feet, I'd say those questions apply to every other goalkeeper we have in our top six at the moment. So, um, you know, as far as shot stopping goes, I think he's he's in the mix, and that that's going to put him in the top three by June. Okay. And Sean Johnson just sort of there as as an inertia choice. 
So the question is, is which is more important, the Gold Cup or the Olympics? Because uh, so, obviously the qualifiers are the most important. Right. Uh, so for me, I don't think there's going to be uh, a distinction between the two. Like, I don't think we're chasing one of those trophies more than the other. The Gold Cup, the famed Gold Cup trophy, which is just as famous as an Olympic gold medal. Uh, I don't. I don't think that Berhalter <laughs> is. I don't think Berhalter is going to like prioritize them in that way. I think Berhalter will go sort of uh, position by position, player by player, uh, and try to sort of maximize uh, the number of minutes. Sort of key guys, key guys being like guys right on the fringe, key guys that we need to evaluate because they're right on the fringe, uh, and figure out the way to get all of them into spots where they're going to play a lot. So don't have one a 22-year-old key guy backing up a 26-year-old in the Gold Cup if you could start him in the Olympics and start the 26-year-old in the Gold Cup. Got it. Okay. So this is where a lot of the like a lot of like the math and the calculations came into play. Yeah, and that's totally speculative. <laughs> Berhalter hasn't said anything to that effect that I know of other than just expect a lot of guys to play. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess from a PR standpoint, I, th- I think the Olympics are the more important tournament because more people are going to pay attention to it. Uh, if we if we happen to make a run with our with our youngsters at the Olympics, that'll get people's attention and maybe get people excited about the the program. Whereas I don't think the I think the Gold Cup is still kind of you say the word Gold Cup to people who don't follow this, and they their eyes glaze over just the words Gold Cup. Even people who do follow it, when you know it's an off-year gold cup, yeah. uh, it has sort of that exhibition feel to it. So let's do the let's do the Olympic roster first. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that works for me. Uh, something else I just kind of want to uh, point out here. Let me let me get that up. Uh, oh, what I was going to respond to you saying that getting a you know making a run in the Olympics is going to be more important or would have more of a, a cultural. Uh, grab to it than than a gold cup uh victory i would just say that with the number of our best u23 players playing in the first team for the ocho like i don't think there's anybody who's gonna i don't want to sound too cynical here i don't think anybody who i put on the gold cup roster is going to move us into uh olympic gold medal contention yeah it would be kind of a miracle with uh, with what's available after you take all our best U23s. So, with that said. So, that's Conrad and Tidegui on the right. Conrad is the starter. Tidegui is the backup. Ledesma on the left. And then Abobase starting up top and Soto backing him up. Question for you, Greg. Why not, uh, why not Ulianes on this roster? So, when we get to the Gold Cup, you'll see Uli on the Gold Cup roster. Uh, and it's because uh, sort of one of the principles I followed was when possible, take the take the best player and play him against the grown-ups. So this would be Uli's chance to leave him off the Olympic roster, uh, play him against the grown-ups. He looked good in the Costa Rica friendly back in February. Let's see how he does playing uh, over over the course of hopefully six games. Yeah. Against okay. I see. So he's just, I mean, it's interesting that he Uli, Uli qualifies for all four of these rosters age-wise he could even play for the u20s um okay so that's then williamson and aronson at 
as the dual eights, Cervania behind them, Mendez starting at the six with Durkin behind him. I would probably start, oh man, I'm going to bring bring down the ire of Brian Clavin on me, but uh, probably start Durkin over Mendez just to be safe. Is it any safer? I is don't Durkin know. A, I don't is Durkin know. any less of a defensive liability just because he plays the position more? He's often? a little bit less of a defensive liability, I think, but... All right, that's fair. I mean, um, it's it's not, it's it's certainly not an open shot case. Now at left back, we got Sam Vines with uh, Aaron Herrera behind him. So this is one where you know because Vines should potentially follow the Giannis rule of he looked good and it looked okay in that Costa Rica friendly against grownups. Do we give him more timeout? But there are other left back options uh, that I think need to be sort of evaluated who don't qualify for the Olympics. So they got to take the gold cup spots and vines then sort of falls onto the Olympic roster. Yeah. I think that's fair. You know, I think you that's, get, you mean, you get, you get, again, it's to maximize those minutes for him. So this way you don't have to, uh, split he, he and, and Gasper Gasper's minutes. If, if you're happy with Gasper from this, uh, from his MLS performances and Gasper's been in a couple of Burhalter camps, uh, Rather than splitting those guys, you just give Vines the job for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Herrera Herrera is serviceable at both right back and left back. There's a decent chance he comes into one of these camps and and ends up getting a lot of minutes. You know. Yep. Yep. I still put uh, a so on, at right back we've got uh, Duncan with Ola Sunday backing him up. Uh, so I still gave Duncan. I still gave a. Uh, backup spot to the right back because in these tournaments I feel like you got to worry about yellow card accumulation mm-hmm. uh, especially with defenders so I built in more backups for the back line have you been watching a lot of Ola Sunday clips I, I did last year uh, and I'm and again they're, they Rotherham got promoted to the championship so he's going to be potentially a starting championship defender and I don't hate bringing that guy to the Olympics no yeah, and he's and he has been capped in the Sarakin era too. That's right. So Kyle Duncan, by the way, is at New York Red Bulls. Uh, solid. Sometimes seems to be occasionally injured. Right back. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me at all if Ola Sunday uh, ends up being our starting right back at the Olympics. Yeah, I, li- I liked him. Okay. Um, and then center backs are the starters are Eric Palmer Brown and Mark McKenzie. And then backing them up are Cameron Carter Vickers and James Sands. Jimmy. So I'll say this. Uh, I think this lineup, the starting 11 that I put together, is a very optimistic lineup about our ability to control the ball, uh, if that's what we're going for. Palmer Brown and McKenzie are ball are both ball-playing center backs. Obviously, Mendez at the six is going to be a ball-playing, deep-lying center mid. Uh, yeah. It's it's very possible that we have to abandon this because we're not talking qualifying here. We're talking the Olympics, and I don't know what those other teams are going to look like, but there are going to be there are going to be some talented U23 teams. Uh, so we might well revert back to Cameron Carter Vickers to be the grown up center back who takes care of takes care of business. Yeah, like especially if we're bunkered against some really good South American team or something. Exactly. So so this is sort of a lofty ideal starting eleven. Uh, it could get very practical very quickly. Yeah. Mackenzie, you know, Mackenzie is, for my money, the best ball-playing young center back we have. 
Sands is not much of a ball playing center back, but he is a good defensive midfielder. And that's that's sort of why he makes it on here, I think. Uh, I mean, he might make it on his own merits, but his ability to play in that holding mid role uh, strengthens that position group when you're talking about Mendez and Durkin. So if we need to get if we need to get a little uh, uh, tougher, then you drop Mendez and Durkin, and Sands can be that tougher holding mid. Okay, so who we got? Who we got for uh, goalkeeper? Uh, the young and upcoming Brad Guzan, who's in there with an asterisk. Okay. Uh, for me, I think I think it's sort of just a way to keep him in the mix. Uh, and Guzan could well be our number two for the senior team at the Ocho. I'm kind of anticipating that Turner gets that job instead. I don't think the number three goalkeeper at the Ocho matters that much. So I think this is that chance to give Guzan uh, a leadership role with the kids in the Olympics. Yeah. And he's the only under overage player that I think you'd need to bring. Okay. Since everyone else is going to be playing somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So, so we did, we kind of talked about this and, and I know we get off on these side. There are plenty of ways you could use some of our fringe overage players uh, who've racked up a lot of minutes under Burhalter, they could well find themselves. It, it wouldn't be terrible use of their summers to be those leadership guys, like a Paul Ariola, uh, a Christian Roldan, like a Michael Bradley to go back to the Olympics after he was on the last team that qualified in 2008. Yeah. It'd yeah. be interesting. It'd be especially, kind of cool. if, especially if Major League Soccer is still canceled by then. <laughs> but it would, it would kind of have that romantic feel to it, so it'd kind of help that romantic Olympic storyline to, to center the narrative around these, these veterans. Yeah. I do like the idea of having some veterans there, uh, to, to lead the way. I know you're a big fan of leadership. <laughs> this would be the case where I could see it like leadership around guys who aren't, uh, super established pros. Like for me, yeah, let's do that. Uh, I don't think we need, uh, I'll, I'll repeat what I've said tons of times. I don't necessarily think that we need leadership to show Tyler Adams how to do things. Like the fact that he's doing what he's doing shows that he probably is pretty capable of it. Yeah. Agreed. And then I, and then we've got Dos Santos, CJ Dos Santos on here. Um, we are, have a ton of U23 goalies. So between Dos Santos and the guys who are going to make up the U20s, I, I think if you're going to be basically anyone could qualify to be Guzan's backup in this. I'd, I'd imagine Guzan will take the line, share the minutes. Okay. Yeah. Any anything anything out there that uh, looks off doesn't make sense. I think it all makes sense. I like Ledesma at the left wing. Uh, I like. Uh, I mean, Conrad De La Fuente is, is certainly doing everything he can to prove the doubters wrong. Getting on the bench for Barcelona. Um, and then Williamson and Aronson do fit that role as number eights. That that yeah, they, uh, they, McKinney they both had uh, solid MLS is back tournaments, um, and you know again with with our best U twenty three players playing in the Ocho with Adams and McKinney and in my mind uh, Pomacol, uh, I think this is I think this is a good chance for Williamson and Aronson to lead uh, because in that position I think you're, they should be dictating a lot of play. Uh, Mm-hmm. And this this would be pretty good, uh, pretty good atmosphere for him to do it. And I, you know, Abobase had a great MLS back tournament too. Um, Mendez, can we talk about Mendez? Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not sure. I'm not sure he makes. He's. I mean, he's gonna be surprising to a lot of people at the six. 
it's, it's just how we use it, right? So uh, if we want somebody to spray balls around, I, I think Mendez has that capability. Uh, I don't think he's a particularly good pressing eight. No. Uh, we're going to go with pressing eight. But he could also, you know, this is the only thing since it's a smaller roster, you only get 18 field players instead of 20. Uh, so you need to bake in some versatility, especially in the attack. Um, so Mendez could play several roles. I just threw him on here because I'd, I'd be excited to see him have a shot at this role. Yeah, I think if I think it is the role that that suits him the most in this Burhalter system, the the, the deep lying distributor. Um, by the way, watched Chris Durkin's performance for Saint Truiden against KAA Ghent. He looked pretty good. He looked pretty solid. Uh, if you get a, if anyone gets a chance to watch Saint Truiden <laughs> play in the Belgian league. Uh, they're an entertaining side. Like Durkin doesn't actually just sit at home and play like a, like the Jackson Ewell role does for the no. U S uh, he'll spray passes around, but he just takes off. Like their, their central midfield three just has like full motion offense, uh, total football style about him, which is kind of interesting to see. Cause Durkin is not considered uh, a rangy mobile center mid. No. He, and he's making runs in the channels and, uh, you know, like getting on the end of through balls, but, yeah. but he does, but he does do that. Um, the deep lying ball spraying stuff pretty well. I think it's like, it is kind of his main strength. Well, and there you have it because we've got, we've got Chris Durkin as one of our, uh, as sort of in that role, uh, on this Olympic side. Um, uh, my favorite person on this is, is Nicholas Tatagui. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ah, Healthy. man healthy and uh named to the Schalke first team so at this point a lot can change between now and literally Saturday for Nick Tadegui <laughs> did always there's been a lot of times when it has unfortunately changed between now and Saturday for Nick Tadegui over the last few years but um but yeah seems to be healthy and seems to be part of the first team at Schalke and on a side that is you know not going to be bringing in a boatload of new players and so maybe there's a chance for him to, you know, get three or four hundred Bundesliga minutes and work his way right into the conversation. I know, and that's what would be interesting is because if it's it's kind of like okay, well, he could sit here in the Olympics, but if he starts playing at all, then it's like, oh man, do we consider him uh, for the first team? Is he seeing the mix for the first team? Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'd be fascinating just to see him play because it's been like two years since he. I think there's been any footage of him actually playing a game. So I'll, I'm I'm curious. Let's see. Uh, we've got we've got Sebastian Soto as a backup to Bobise, which uh, again might raise my brows. But uh, I think Soto was just in a bad contract situation at Hanover. Uh, what I'm hopeful for is that even at Telstar, if that's where he winds up on loan, uh, if he starts if he starts banging in goals, uh, then you go back to okay, he's still the same player that we rated fairly highly. I don't think anyone was head over heels on Soto, even after his good U20 World Cup. No. Uh, but certainly then in, in, a, in the discussion for the Olympics in a year like next year. Yeah. I don't think it will take much for him to, to work his way back into that place. Uh, Gold Cup, almost it could almost be a, an Olympic team, which is cool. 
it's cool that we have so many players that we are semi excited about. Um, That's the thing. Even though I don't know how good a lot of these teams will be uh, as a team, each of them will have guys that I'm very interested in watching play at the level that they'd be sort of assigned to. Yeah. Put it, give them that litmus test that like Yana's got in February. So speaking of Yanez, Ulianez is the starting left wing, uh, Jesus Ferreira at striker, and then Paul Ariola on at right wing. I think I'm fine with all of that. And then um, the dual eights are uh, Dwayne Holmes and Alfredo Morales. A little international flavor there. Right, and I think that's that's why the Gold Cup will be valuable to get some of these uh, European guys who haven't gotten extended runouts to sort of get that look. I think Morales will really benefit from a change like this in the system because uh, yeah. he's very good. I mean, he's so aggressive and he's so good at pressuring high up the field. Uh, he's just a wrecking a, ball. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not like his passing is is terrible relative to other U.S. players in the pool. So uh, he might not be considered a, uh, an elite passer at the Bundesliga level, but he's more than capable of holding his own uh, against against some of his competition. Uh, that's U.S. eligible. So I, I'm, I'd be very excited to see what he could do in this sort of free hunting role. Yeah. Well, what, what about jo- this Johnny Cardoso over Michael Bradley as the starting number six? Have you lost, uh, your, have you lost your mind, Greg? <laughs> so Cardoso is probably on this one. Like Cardoso uh, is really hard to find footage of because he hasn't played that much. So even when he uh, plays, you're talking minimal video of him. Mostly, he just kind of plays in exactly the role that Jackson Ewell uh, is going to be playing for. So he just kind of sits deep between the center backs in possession, collects the ball, and kind of sprays it around. He, from the video that we have of him so far, he's not a super adventurous passer, though. So uh, he he tends to be pretty safe. You'll find a, clips of him if you if you just cut the highlights. You will eventually find clips of him hitting a nice line splitting pass. But his default is definitely at the moment sort of just the side-to-side safe stuff. Yeah. But Burhalter likes him. Burhalter has, has named him specifically as a guy that he's really high on that maybe people haven't heard of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, like you said, it's it's hard to see footage of Cardoso playing as a six. So it's really hard to for me to, like, get excited or not excited. I just don't know. Um, yeah, this one's baking in a lot of – like, I'm, I'm hoping that he sees – Increased playing time for his uh, Brazilian Serie A side. Yeah. And then the the fullbacks are DeAndre Yedlin and none other than Timmy Chandler. <laughs> so I finally, I hadn't seen this before, but there there was a report from back in like April uh, about the March, the canceled March camp that Chandler had been invited by Berhalter to that camp from the Yanks are coming. Hmm. Uh, Just so that's a, tweet a pretty big deal. Too, right? They just yeah, tweeted. yeah, yeah, tweeted out there. So uh, that's a really big deal for the will he or won't he call up Timmy Chandler. Uh, I don't know if it confirmed whether Chandler had accepted the call up, uh, but um, it shows that Burhalter is not certainly not shutting that door. And uh, this would be the time. This would be the exact time to to check him out if we haven't checked him out before. Then if we don't bring him into a November camp. I mean, from a business standpoint, if I'm Timmy Chandler. 28 going on 29, right? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. He's 30. He's 30 right is now. Is he 30? Okay. You got 
sure i think he has one more year on his contract at frankfurt right maybe two so it's I not i don't know he did sign extension yeah but it's, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a one of those baseball deals where it goes no. for like the next 10 years um he's not bobby bonia yeah <laughs> he's not bobby bonia he he um i think it makes sense for him to come play in the gold cup you know try you know spend a few weeks in in america and in the United States of America, I should say, and and maybe you know catch the eye of a of an MLS club. You know if he gets if he has a good tournament for the U.S., suddenly he has some brand value again. I know he already does have some, but some fresher brand value. Yeah, and again, he could play his way into. I mean, he's he's only thirty in that sense. If he's still playing regularly for the Bundesliga. Uh, then you're definitely not too old to be considered for the World Cup. I mean, if you're sort of not playing at all and you're getting up in age, that's going to probably be an issue. But if you're still doing it, uh, he didn't play in the 2014 World Cup. He didn't get off the bench. So if he wants to appear in a World Cup, uh, for sure he would take this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see why he would say no if he were called up for this. And then the the center backs, starting center backs are Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. We got to see Walker Zimmerman make an acrobatic goal-saving tackle last night for Nashville SC. And then, yep. go ahead. Zimmerman's just sort of that stable Burhalter guy, and I think that that's not an incorrect assessment of him. He's he's a pretty stable, reliable, doesn't make a ton of huge mistakes. He'll have some giveaways and possession, but then then who doesn't for the U.S. Right. Yeah. And he um, he does, he's sort of a good last gasp defender. Robinson, also a good defender. And then who do you have at goalkeeper here? It's kind I've of got, for me I've to got one Ethan Horvath. Okay. So hope the, the anticipation there is that Horvath has moved either in this window or in the winter window, uh, or Mignola has decided to hang up the gloves and Horvath resumes his his number one duties but I think he's a good goalkeeper uh definitely we want to get some kind of extended look the gold cup can be one where we're rotating goalkeepers uh game to game but I I, in my mind Horvath will probably be back in the picture by then should we do the backups so there we go Gioacchini as uh Ferreira's backup and again Ferreira and Gioacchini both Olympic eligible so we basically just have a full Olympic complement of uh, attackers to choose from I love Joaquini. I love the way he plays. I think he's probably better than Ferreira. Is he better at Ferreira than what Ferreira's good at? Does that make sense? Mm, probably not, no. But but he moves well in the box, and I don't think Ferreira does that so well. Okay. And he's That's like, kind of the question. Ferreira is, does feel like kind of a, a specialist. So then the question becomes, is, is his specialism valuable enough to outweigh the fact that he's not really got that pure striker sensibility yeah well i just i don't we don't have to have a fist fight about who gets to start (laughs) between the two of them but i'll just say i think i would regardless of the system constraints i would start joaquini over ferrera just because he's i think he makes more of an impact um and then you got saif at the right wing (laughs) my hope the the one safe choice I made was I wanted to I wanted to start Kenny Seth, but I was like no let's be safe let's be sensible about this Paul Ariola is the is the safe choice, but I'm excited I'm excited for I'm hoping Kenny Seth makes some kind of a move he's technically still at Anderlecht 
nothing's been uh, nothing's happened there to, to see a move and he's not by any uh, any any indication in Anderlecht's plans so if he doesn't move then I'm going to have to scratch him from the list okay and then Bofo Salcedo at left wing backing up Ulianes. I guess this is a good time to say you're talking about 12 months from now right right yep Sebastian Salcedo he, he, I think he prefers oh, Sebastian yeah he doesn't like Bofo anymore sorry so Salcedo at left wing, uh, who I think would uh, do very well in this pinched-in winger role. So uh, he's a good fit. Um, I think Julian Green could get a run out here backing up Dwayne Holmes. Uh, and I've got Christian Roldan backing up Alfredo Morales as sort of those pressing eights. I don't know if Roldan would be good in that role. Uh, where, where do you where do you? I think so. Him? I think that suits him pretty well. He's versatile, right? He's yeah. a little bit good at everything. Yeah. And he can, you know, he, he occasionally gets forward for Seattle and makes a good pass. He's an interesting, he's a confounding player. He's hit some, he's hit some sort of incisive passes for the U.S. It's not like that those passes don't exist on his uh, U.S. men's national team CV. Uh, it's mm. just, I think generally he, he plugs things up more than I'd like him to. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with him having a, having a having a day at the gold cup next summer back up we already talked about bradley behind cardoso that's not gonna fly with probably <laughs> two million american soccer fans bradley's gonna be starting on yeah on, if he's not on the ocho he's starting somewhere right yeah he's starting maybe he doesn't maybe at this point he doesn't need to go to the gold cup maybe he'll say i'm gonna spend some time with my wife and kids I think he'll be 32 at the at this at this point. So my thought there again is that if Bradley's already noticeably slowing down, uh, and we're talking about another full season yeah. on his legs, uh, you know, at some point you got, you got to just drop him. Yeah, Matt Beasler, you know, like we've dropped a lot of guys who are still playing at a, at a decently high level because uh, it seems like their legs maybe are going. So it's like me and my men's league team, you know. <laughs> I just got to Somebody's just got to drop me. Um, Bradley will dominate some un, some over thirty leagues in Toronto. Yeah, I'm, I I can bet. So I think what he had, what he should do is he and Darlington Nagby should just meet at a lake in Michigan, you know, and spend some time with the families during the Gold Cup next year. So that's my advice. Uh, Gasper Chase Gasper at left back behind Chandler. This is I'm going to take some issue with this. I think Gasper should be the backup on in the World Cup qualifiers if we were choosing today, you know. Right, right. And and there's a good chance that even 8 9 months from now Gasper still looks way better than Gloucester on paper. Like Gloucester might not get any PSU minutes. Like that's a that's definitely a, a an assumption that that doesn't have a lot to back it up. Yeah. Now, no Gasper's not like Gasper has limitations. Like his service is pretty weak. You know he doesn't. His, he does play balls from the left side, and he beats people on the dribble. There was a clip of him embarrassing some guy in this ter- most recent tournament. But he, like, when he gets to a spot to hit a ball, it doesn't seem like he generates much danger. The thing I really like about him is he wins his he wins duels. He plays good defense, and he can get forward. So he'd be my backup behind Anthony. Um, and then you got Shaq Moore at right back. 
I'm a big Shaq Moore fan. I've been I've been keeping tabs on him even when he was playing uh, left back in the Spanish second league. You see, he have like six assists already in the Segunda division. Yeah, and he's playing as kind of a hybrid. Uh, sometimes he's just playing straight right midfield in like a four four two. So he's been he's been playing. They were they had a good end of the end of the year last year. Uh, sort of just missed a, uh, the promotional playoff spot. But yes, I think Shaq Moore could be valuable. Um, I think he's clearly in line for a look in this in given the situation we've got where so many guys are going to be getting looks. Yeah. Ventura Alvarado, Alvarado and Matt Miazga are the backup center backs. Yeah, Alvarado just moved. Uh, tell me, Bells, tell me again where Ventura Alvarado just moved to. I think he just started right away for. If I told you, it would be for the first time. <laughs> uh, San Luis. So he moved from Necaxa to San Luis. Okay. Uh, so, and I believe he started right away. So, uh, again, somebody who in this in this sort of environment this atmosphere of four tournaments going on, definitely a guy, it's a chance to get a good look at him. Yeah. And we all know what Miazga brings. Miazga could be starting at right back for the senior team, could be could be starting in the Gold Cup, could be just off the Gold Cup roster. I know this is uh, kind of a long, rambling episode, but it is getting me excited about, more excited about next summer. Because we're just going to, there's going to be so much soccer to watch. Yeah, and it, it it really will feel, in my mind, like just a big tryout, like uh, tons of tryouts going on. So uh, it's not like when you're watching the senior team to see if everything's clicking to see if they can actually win. It's like, oh, we're we look kind of garbage, but Dwayne Holmstra looks good in this yeah. in this game. So that's all that we need. We just need a couple of guys to stand out uh, in each roster, and that should get us where we need to be. So I mean, the, where we need to be relatively. Yeah, to the. To win the 2022 World Cup. Is that what you mean? Yes. If Dwayne Holmes looks good in the Gold Cup, <laughs> that that trophy will be ours. Um, and then goalkeeper. Well, I was I should say some people are going to say, well, why would you put Zimmerman over Miazga, you MLS fanboys? And um, I don't know. It's kinda, I don't have a single answer for that. I could I, Miazga could start over Zimmerman or... Miles could Miles could start. I like. I doesn't really matter to me at all which yeah, of those same four guys starts. So behind if Richards, if Richards is still playing three league ball, it wouldn't matter to me which of those guys starts for the senior team. Yeah, right. So goalkeeper behind Horvath. Who do you, who do you have? I can't quite see it. So this is gonna be Bill Hamid's time to shine. Uh, if he's going to make his case for the for the twenty twenty two cycle, it will be I think at this tournament. Okay. And then I have Tyler Miller because I needed to find a third goalkeeper, and it was we are very low on goalkeepers. Yeah, well, Matt Hartman was saying we have basically only two goalkeepers born between ninety and ninety nine, starting for their teams. Yeah, and it's it's Turner and who's the, who's the other one? I forget. It's okay. But yes, there's a huge gap between those guys, and then you then you get up to Sean Johnson and Bill Hamid, and it's it's kind of wild. So we Stephen, have. I think it's Stephen. Oh yeah. Okay. And he's not, not going to be anymore. starting for his team. Yeah. So we really have, with the Gold Cup roster, a, a, another pretty young roster outside of some of the defenders, and um, yeah, oh yeah, and Morales and Holmes. 
Holmes is young. I mean, Holmes is young. We're not talking Olympics, but yeah, he's like 24, 25. Yeah, well, Don's young. Green's young. This is it's, these guys are going to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of and most of them, I would say, you know, outside of Giannis, Giannis is potentially a, a sort of a top level winger. I mean, that's the hope, at least. Um, outside of him, it's mostly like guys who provide kind of a floor for the pool. Wouldn't you say? Yes, I I would definitely say that. And that's, that's, that's where kind of Christian Roldan comes in. The other reason I'd want to have him in this, in that camp is to use him as the comparison point. So Julian Green needs to be better than Christian Roldan. I'd expect him to be, uh, I think he's a lot cleaner on the ball, but if you're not, then okay, then you're not going to be, then you're not going to be in the 2022 cycle. Yeah. Okay. Do we do we need to talk about the guys who uh, sort of just missed, just missed being in four different rosters? Um. Sure. Do you want to do the U twenties first, or? Oh yeah, I forgot we haven't done the U twenties yet. We don't need to. We don't need to tarry, as they say. <laughs> but yeah, let's do it real quick. I, I while you're pulling it up, Brian Ko, I saw. Sanjeev USMNT videos has a has a comp of Brian Ko playing for Wolfsburg too. Uh, in recent days, he looked really good against against a real, a very poor op- opponent. But still, I think he's. I, I'd like to see Ko over um, some of these names you have here for the U twenties. Yeah, such an interesting player. He dribble. He's so dribbly. Uh, a dribbly number eight who kind of just eliminates people with the ball at his feet and then finds kind of an okay pass, you know? But he's so active. Uh, and who were they playing? Who was, who was that against? Lupo Martini. Okay. Lupo just, Martini just Wolfsburg. Fourth, fourth division German side. Which I think is the division that Wolfsburg 2 plays in as well. All right, here's our, here's our U20s. Okay. Are they up there for you? Yep. So Pepe at striker, he got his first he got his first minutes in six months last night for FC Dallas in a one zero loss. Looked okay. Um Jose Gallegos had another eye opening performance for San Antonio last night in USL in a zero zero draw. Dante Seeley plays right on right wing at right wing. He's kinda I'm not sure what he's up to these days. North Texas, I suppose. So I don't think he has been on the North Texas roster. So uh, let me double check uh, if he was in the game day roster. Because I think they kind of can't have guys moving from team oh, to team. Oh, yeah, because like of COVID. So he's uh, just training with uh, FC Dallas. Yeah, so they probably have him with the first team, even though he doesn't get to play as much, and they'd probably like to supplement his time. I'm going to say all that, and then it's going to be like, nope, he's not. he was not on the roster yesterday. So I'm not sure. Okay, uh, yeah. He's he's still very young. He's a 2003, meaning he's 16 at the moment, I think. Um, yeah, and since, and since the team's going to be missing Conrad, and I'm anticipating uh, Ulianas and Gio Reyna. <laughs> uh, probably is going to be missing all three of those. So then we're looking at kind of, you know, digging deeper into the player pool. Again, let's we're assuming that there's going to be a U20 World Cup. Uh, Tanner Tessman and Thomas Roberts the FC Dallas duo 
are going to be are your starting number eights here. I thought Tessman, <laughs> our relationship with Tanner Tessman has been very strange. But like I remember thinking his career, you know, his soccer career was a farce when he when he signed to play to kick field goals for Clemson, and then he comes back to FC Dallas and he starts the first two games of the season for them at Central Midfield and looked really good. So then we named the tournament after him. Greg did named it named the MLS's back tournament the Tanner Tessman games, and um and then last night he didn't look so good. I thought. You know, did you I watch any of that game? Fine. Yeah, I, I was watching it a little bit. Uh, I thought it looked mostly fine. Uh, I think it's ridiculous just looking at him on the screen. He looks like a trick of perspective because he's, he's so a big. massive. He's a massive player. So yeah, he's, he might be the farthest guy from the camera, but he's still the biggest person on the screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so, I thought he, I thought he was question. okay. Okay. He missed hit a he, he tried to spray a couple of big balls that kind of missed, but he also hit some good switches. Um, and he's a he's a competitor in the in the scrap in the middle yes. for sure. Yeah. Taylor Booth. I, I still like I still I still like him for the U twenties. For sure, yeah. Taylor Booth at the six. Uh, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see more and more of him. Um, and then Kobe Hernandez Foster and Julian Araujo, the LA Galaxy duo, at fullbacks. Owen Odesoe and Leo Sepulveda at center back. Sepulveda would be the left center back because he's left-footed. Okay. Um, and uh, Odesoe, uh has some pictures on Instagram that will make your make you perk up. He's a strong, strong person. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because I don't. I doubt he's gonna jump into that Wolves Wolverhampton first team right away. Yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't been making the. the side even when the, with their I think 12 players on the bench mm-hmm. for the Europa League yeah so he probably needs to go on loan to the championship or something we'll see we'll see but a big prospect I think most everybody agrees and then David Ochoa at goalkeeper wait you don't have Ochoa there do you yeah I, I put Ochoa there and took him he was like the backup Olympic goalie and I was like well why do that if Brad Guzan's going to play all the games, so I, I threw Ochoa on as a starting U20, where I'll get more minutes. Okay, yeah. Apparently he's hurt right now. That's why he's not playing much, or not okay. in rosters. You want to throw the backups on there, or do you have any any pushback to anything I said? No, I don't think so. So you got Vasilev, Indiana Vasilev, the Aston Villa legend, at backup <laughs> striker. And he's really versatile. I honestly, we still don't really know if he's going to be a striker or if his best position is going to be more uh, in the central midfield. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's not necessarily a negative in a tournament like this. No. Mako Miljevic behind Sealy at right wing. Uh, you have Cole Bassett and Gianluca Busio as the backup pressing eights. I would definitely put Brian Keo ahead of both of those guys right now. But... Um, that's just me. And and then left back, Leon. Uh, this might surprise you. I'm agnostic on a lot of these U20 calls. Even, yeah, even, yeah, in yeah. The start, even in the starting line. It does not surprise me. I And I, yeah, I know, I know you're just, we're just kind of showing what's possible here. Leon Flack at left back and then Ian, Ian Hoffman at right back as the backups. And then Nico Carrera and Jacob Acanarigi 
as the backup center backs, Damian Lass and Chitiru Odunsi, the the duo who played goalkeeper for the U-17s last year as backup goalkeepers. I don't think there's too much else to say here. Do you? Yeah, I mean, w- worth checking out. David Chasing a Cup has like just an endless uh, series of takes on this this group of players, the U-20s, the top 50. They have like a top 50 list. And, you know, if you're looking for a different perspective on some of this, check that out. I'll try to put that in the show notes too. Do you want to skip over to the spare parts? Big picture, what do you, so what do you take away from having done this exercise? What do you take away from it? Uh, again, my big thing is going to be the how volatile the pool is right below the surface. Um, which is going to matter because, as we've seen, uh, we can expect a half a dozen injuries just from the first team alone uh, at any given time. So yeah. we're going to be dipping into players uh, who aren't who are not obvious choices. You have guys who are clearly like no questions asked. John Brooks is on the team if he's healthy, but then when he's not healthy, then it gets into a lot of a lot of like uh, gray areas that could be could become very obvious with with uh, minimal sort of developments. In other words, Chris Richards getting Bayern Munich minutes, in my mind, is a pretty obvious uh, development that puts him right in the starting 11 or in the 23. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of volatility where small things, Sebastian Soto getting a bunch of goals for Telstar puts him right back in the mix for our U23 striker pool. Uh, we're looking at the spare parts here. Bobby Wood, if, if he has a reconciliation with Hamburg and starts scoring goals again, Bobby Wood has been very, not very good. Bobby Wood has been a serviceable striker for the senior team. If he starts doing playing again uh, at the level he was playing at even before, then he's right back in the mix for for our striker uh, pool for the senior team. So it's it's that kind of volatility and only a few minor changes necessary in their club situation that could really change their status with the within the national team pool. Jonathan Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at the whole list here and it looks like a lot of guys who are just just what it sounds like spare parts. Although I would say Amen Akinola. Oh, go on. Well, I was going <laughs> to say there's a couple reading. exceptions like Akin, you know, Akinola is young enough and had an effective enough summer that you could imagine him becoming a, a like a full-blown first choice national team player at some point in or some at the very system. Least- Akinola could be an undeniable like next guy up for the Gold Cup. Like he's got to he's got to be on the Gold Cup roster. He's he's killing it. Maybe he's not ahead of uh, Zardes and Altidore, but surely he's he's our Gold Cup starter, and right. that's super possible. Yeah. And then I would say Amen. You know, winger is becoming a more crowded position, much more crowded than it was when we started this podcast a couple years ago. Um, so it's it's a tougher pull, but I think he. He has a shot at being a national team winger for us. And then I would say Abubakar Keita, the center back, the left-footed center back, he had a rough U-20 World Cup, but I think he has a chance to be a legit uh, first-choice center back. I'm not saying he's going to be, but I don't. I think he has a chance. I would say everybody else on here, other than Jonathan Gomez, who's only 16 and playing for Louisville City at left back, <laughs> everyone, else, everyone else here just kind of um, – you know, I'm not expecting a ton from this group of players. I'm not either, but again, a, like a decent string of starts and good performances uh, put, 
puts them right into the picture for at least one of the rosters we talked about. We've got Tyler Boyd, who's going to be playing in Champions League qualifiers. Like mm-hmm. if he if he looks, I mean, he might already be. I might already be underrating him compared to what the U.S. staff kind of think of him. Uh, but if he has, if he if he looks good and is, is producing goals and assists, that's it. I mean, the guy's got to be in the picture somewhere. Uh, even I would concede that, even though I'm not always super impressed with Tyler Boyd. Yeah. So just to, for the audio listeners, we've got uh, Tyler Boyd and Luca Della Torre starter back up at right back. Della De Torre right, just right moved. Yeah, De La Torre just moved to the Eredivisie. So if he goes from not playing really at all for Fulham, literally like not playing at all, to <laughs> to playing like uh, you know first team minutes and scoring goals, like that at least has to has to change the the discussion around him a little. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind the discussion changing. He's a he's bit. Olympic eligible. He's he's a U twenty three guy. He could easily be in the Olympic picture. Yeah. I just he he just was he was not that good in the U twenty World Cup in twenty seventeen and um and the things having the outlook hasn't gotten brighter since then you know uh, well this would this would brighten it up sure sure it would no I'm I'm not disagreeing John and then I left so that's right wing Boyd and Delatore uh Jonathan Amon John, Jonathan Lewis and Cameron Harper at left wing. And then uh, Bobby Wood, Io Akinola, Andrea Novakovic, and Charlie Kelman at striker. Kelman Frank- is U20 eligible, so that's yep. why he's kind of in the discussion. And then Frankie Amaya and Hassani Dotson at, as the pressing eights, and then behind them, Aiden Morris and uh, Christian Kappas behind them in the lineup. And then uh, Keaton Parks and Sebastian Berhalter <laughs> as the the number six registas. Travian Sousa and Jonathan Gomez at left back. Fabian, whoa. Yeah, Fabian Johnson. Fabian Johnson. He's, he's going to move somewhere, and if he's playing again, that's again, that's all it takes for that conversation to change. If you're like getting weekly minutes from Fabian Johnson, he could easily cut, step in and help a number of places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and then Justin Glad, uh, oh, no, Fabian and Brian Reynolds at right back, and then Justin Glad. Abubakar Keita and Mauricio Pineda. Matt Doyle is a big fan of the Chicago Fire center back slash defensive midfielder. Those are the center backs. And then JT Markinkowski, Marcinkowski, Marchinkowski as the goalkeeper. It's basically an Olympic spare parts with the exception of, of Wood and Fabian. Yeah. Tyler Boyd and... Novakovic. Novakovic is going to be playing for a spot in Serie A. Can I? Go, can I? I know you want to get moving, but can I just give my Novakovic uh, give you, video give, story? Give your Novakovic take. So I hadn't been. I've been meaning to watch Novakovic, but I would always get caught up on other guys uh, to watch their clips. Uh, finally, watched Novakovic, and it is insane the way his team plays. Um, so we we for just a little inside information here, we do the Y Scout thing where you can look at every action a player had in the game. And it'll start like 10 seconds before their action. So for most guys, you you start the clip and you don't know, like it could the clip could start anywhere. There could be any scenario because a lot can happen in soccer in 10 seconds before that guy touches it. With Novakovic, that is not the case. Every hmm. time you start a Novakovic clip, it's the goalkeeper, his own goalkeeper has the ball, or it's some guy on the sideline about to take a throw in. Because every time Andrea Novakovic touches the ball, it's from a long lofted ball up to his head. That is almost explicitly the way he gets on 
he gets involved in the play uh, is is a ball lofted up that he challenges for 50-50. And then he's always trying to flick it on. Somebody's always running behind him. And then potentially he will get on it again from winning that flick on and maintaining possession. But then once he's on the ball and it's at his feet, uh, he's actually pretty tidy with it. Like it, it kind of seems. Yeah, I was gonna say why. I wonder why that's the case because he always has seemed tidy on the ball to me. It's it's like just the team's philosophy that this is how you advance the ball. Is you advance it with a sixty-yard driven ball or lofted ball up, flick it on to somebody to win the second ball, get your second ball structure right, and then try to play soccer from there. It's crazy to me, but that's that's what Novakovic is doing right now. That's his existence, and it's gotten them to the. Uh, promotional championship, promotional final, uh, to move up to the Italian first division. Okay, he scored. He scored the goal that put them ahead on aggregate to make the final. So they're going. So they they have a. When is that game? That final for, for uh, it's Frozen probably coming, It's probably like next week, but okay. I don't know for sure. Okay, so they have a. And I think a, it's a one off. I believe it'd be a one off. Whoever wins that game goes no, to Serie. Probably not a one off. That's don't quote me on it. Okay. Somebody will know. Yeah. <laughs> it will be pointed out. It's fine. Us. Any closing thoughts? I think we should wrap it up. We should definitely wrap it up. Uh, no. So many guys that we'll be able to watch play in the season leading up to this, and then it's just going to be a wild summer of soccer. If we can actually play any soccer, this will be a pretty absurd summer. Thanks, uh, thanks everybody, for listening and watching. Thanks, Greg. We'll see you.